What's going on, everybody? It is week 18 of the NFL season, and for most of you, fantasy football is over. Now, don't worry if you have a week 18 championship. We're still going to talk about some of that today, but we're going to spend some time today relaxing, celebrating, and yeah, looking a little bit forward to the future. But first, let me check in with my partner in crime, Eddie Spaghetti. What's going on, Eddie? Did you get a new haircut? I did. I uh, I had I had a haircut like a little over a month ago, and then since then, like, let it grow, let the beard grow, and then um, you know through the holidays, I was like, man, it's getting kind of annoying. And like guys have this thing where, like, at least my beard anyway, it get, if it gets like hard er <laughs> and like rough when it gets longer. And then uh, my girlfriend Jada, who you know, uh, yep. she she was just like, I don't think you're a long hair, long beard guy. So I was like. Okay, uh, that's all I needed to know. And I went to the barber and I uh, got it all chopped off and I shaved my beard. So I'm starting fresh. I like it. It's a good start for the 2020, like a new exactly. year, new look. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good start. Um, if you're watching this, guys, by the way, right now on Twitter, you can also jump into our YouTube channel or our Twitch channel and you can comment at any time because. If you want to brag about your championship, if you want to vent about it, uh, there's lots to vent about. We're here for that. This is going to be a fun show today, and this is a show that is definitely your show. Yeah, we do a little bit of planning, but it, mostly what we want to do is address whatever you guys want to talk about. So moving forward with this show, because there are no longer fantasy football championships after this week, we're going to continue to talk about things like DFS, player props, game lines, and strategies for next year. So if you even just want to shout us out what you want us to talk about over the next few weeks, what would be helpful for you for your fantasy team, or maybe you just want to just talk about DFS game theory, the difference between cash games and GPP tournaments and the difference between the different formats and where you can play parlays. And if you can't really gamble yet in your state where you can kind of sneak around that, you know, I mean, things like that, we can, we can help you with that. So, um, Eddie, should we just hit some of the big news of the day? I think so. I mean, uh, it's funny, too, because we see Derrick Henry's coming back, which I'm sure we get into. Funny to think, if he was back maybe a week ago, how many championships would have been a different way? So, oh, I, I can't even go there because yeah. I finished second in my high stakes league, and this was the team where I lost Derrick Henry. And I held on to him with the hopes because I actually had Teron Davenport on my Sirius XM show, mm-hmm. and he told me Derrick Henry – he was going to be ready this week and he is ready this week. And I was just hopeful, like maybe, maybe it'll even be a little early. Of course it wasn't. That's fine. I'm fine with my second place finish. Womp womp. Um, but yeah, Derek hindered to return. I actually did a breakdown of futures last week for sports illustrated over at SI.com betting. You guys can find that. And I picked the Titans as my long shot bet. The one I would s- sprinkle a few dollars on because look, they've been winning with, uh, you know, a running back committee that's kind of been just stuck together. I mean, they went through a few and they tried Adrian Peterson that didn't work out. They tried, you know, different people and it was, it was fine. Now it seems like Donta Foreman's really good. And Dontrell Hilliard has the more explosive playability, but between the two of them, they have that covered AJ Brown's back. Now, of course we can't ever count on Julio Jones, but Imagine this team that continues to win. Like they're likely going to be even the number one seed in the AFC South after this weekend. And then they get Derrick Henry back. I mean, I don't, I'm a Cowboys fan. Cowboys are plus 1000 Titans are plus 1600. I mean, who, who do you think if you're putting a long shot bet, who do you like the Colts? It's funny because we it seemed like it was the, a large part of the season was counting like are the are the Chiefs for real or not? And then I think right. recently we kind of got convinced the Chiefs are for real. Then lately the surge has been from the the Bengals. Everyone's like, okay, the Bengals are really really good. And not then sure we all kind of we all we all kind of oh really well we all kind of forgot about the Titans because they lost Derrick Henry. They're a team that needs the running game to succeed. And now he's coming back. He's you know hopefully fresh right in time for the playoffs. And we saw what he could do in the playoffs. And when he's healthy, he's arguably the best running back. So, I mean, the Chiefs, the Bengals, other teams that are in the mix now, they're going to be like, man, we, we don't need we don't need this guy coming back because it, it could, they could be a problem. And they're a team that if the defense plays well, defense running games, like that's usually the, the, the MO of the playoffs. So it is uh, not good for these rest of the AFC teams. Their defense has been getting better and better every single week. And as you said, that's what's really key into the playoffs, which is why I think actually the Cowboys do have a shot to go a ways as well. Um, but they need to get their mojo back. No question about it. And as far as fantasy is concerned, we're going to have all eyes on Derrick Henry because the question for many seasons has been, 
can Derrick Henry sustain this kind of workload? And of course, now the debate is, was that injury because of the workload or was it just an injury anyway? Because, you know, he was due, if you will, like players just get injured. It happens. So um, was it due to the workload or was it just a coincidence? And, and it just happens, you know, when you play that brutal of a position and will it affect his play moving forward? I don't know how much we'll really be able to tell going forward uh, in the playoffs, but it, it should at least give us a glimpse of what's to come and another running back that could come up for the playoffs, Cam Akers, who I'm really interested in as someone that could really break out next year, but we can talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. A couple more news and notes. Uh, Joe Mixon does have COVID. He will not play on Sunday. Neither will Joe Burrow. And I'm pretty sure you can expect most of the starters not to play or to get pulled early. Dallas will play all their starters. According to Mike McCarthy. I think that's true. Um, but if you're in a championship, I do think you need to be aware because for instance, with Ezekiel Elliott nursing a knee injury all season, should the Dallas Cowboys get a good lead? Maybe it's going to become Tony Pollard's game. Maybe they'll go to Corey Clement. Maybe they'll rest him a bit. Same for Amari Cooper. No Michael Gallup, remember. So if the Cowboys are to get out in front at any point in this game, it doesn't make sense for them to play Amari Cooper too hard. They could rest him. And honestly, there's really nothing at stake. There's nothing at stake in this game. Okay, seeding, but the seeding doesn't matter. I mean, the only thing that could really happen is a whole lot of ridiculous things where somehow accidentally the Cowboys slide into the number two seed. It's not going to happen, and there's just no reason uh, for them to play too hard. So, yes, they're they're starting, um, but I wouldn't guarantee they're playing the whole game. Same for the Packers. Um, the same thing has been said, that they're going to come out and play, but it's Detroit. I mean... Once they get far enough out in front of Detroit, they're not going to keep Devontae Adams in the game. I just don't see that happening. Um, is Antonio Brown really still a buck spaghetti? What's he is. I, I was just, we, we know, we just talked about this on a few of our other shows, and it's really insane the power that Tom Brady still has because by all, like Bruce Arians, like he's no longer a buck. Well, no, he technically is because Tom Brady's clearly going, look, look, I don't have Chris Godwin. Mike Evans seems to have an injury every single week. Gronk, obviously fragile, Leonard Fournette IR. So it's one of those things where he's like, look, I get this guy has the issues, and clearly AB does. But Brady's keeping him. Brady is what what, what LeBron is doing in the NBA and what he has for his entire career, and Brady is doing right now in the NFL, which we really haven't seen before of a player being a GM because the NFL, the front office, usually has a little bit more power than the players, but you know, Tom Brady's Tom Brady, so uh, he's getting his wish, it seems like. Well, I have opinions about Tom Brady, but um, we will not go into those again here. Um, I don't know. I I mean, the most recent thing I heard is that they're still going to release him. It's just a matter of how they're going to do it. You have to wonder if maybe they're potentially a little worried about a lawsuit of some sort in that. If it is true, something to the story of like Antonio Brown was really injured and he told Bruce Arians, I can't play, I'm injured. And he said, you have to go. Then there could be some legs to that. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, there's something else going on. It's It should be more simple than this, and it's clearly not. So Antonio Brown, not sure he's really out of the NFL yet. Um, I really think he, we may see more of him. All right. Uh, Washington football team is announcing their name February 2nd. Eddie, um, what is your vote? What should it be? Because uh, I was talking to Fabiano this morning over at Sports Illustrated, and he's heard rumors of what it's going to be, and it's mm-hmm. So lame. I hope that's not what it is. It's I've so seen lame. like people try to crack the code on Reddit and Twitter, and some people thought it was like, uh, was it like the Beavers or something like that? Because they had the uh, or the, the Groundhog, sorry, because they had the um, the uh, the logo. It's February second. Yeah, and the logo they had like they 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 put a pad in for the logo. Then some people saw that there was like a website that was like the Washington Commanders, and it redirected to their current website. Then that was quickly debunked. Um, betting favorite seems like that the Commanders or the Admirals are the two lead. So yeah. I think it's gonna be one of those two. I think it probably is too. Which of the two do you prefer, Commanders or Admirals? Washington Commanders, Washington Admirals, Admirals Command. I mean, I guess like. Rolls Admirals is a little smoother, I think. It's a little, it's a shorter name. It rolls the tongue a little better with Washington, but I think, I, I, yeah, I think I'd probably lean with Admirals. I think that, um, so this is my vocalist talking. I think that they should go with Commanders instead of Admirals, or all of your fans are going to be horse. Like it's just going to be terrible, terrible. So if you go commanders, you can get a little bit more air out in front of it. So I'm going to say for vocal health for everyone, I vote for commanders over admirals. I don't, I really am sad. They can't use like the red tails or right. any uh, the red, red wolves. Yeah. There was red wolves. Wolves. That would be so much cooler. Um, but 
I don't know. I guess Admirals and Commanders is better than Guardians. Sure. The best name I did see, though, was uh, Mr. Washington football team. I thought that was the funniest by far. Honestly, like, I think they should just keep Washington football team because it's hilarious. It's in the mix. It's in the mix. And yeah. um, why not? Why not just be the WFT and they can have NFTs? And well, I'm used to it by now. I don't know about you, like how long it took you to like to get used to writing that. But I'm used to it by now. Now they're changing it again. I'm going to need another two years. I'm used to it, too. Yeah. Football team, the football team. At least I got out of the habit of saying their other name, which was pretty hard to break. But sure. I'm out of that. Um, final news. The Chargers and the Raiders will not play for a tie, guys. I don't want to hear any more about it. Brandon Staley has put the rumors to rest. The Steelers, of course, would have to beat the Ravens. Um, and the Jaguars would have to upset the Colts. But in that case, if the Raiders and the Chargers tied, they would go both go to the postseason. But it's a gentleman's game after all. They're not gonna, they're not gonna disgrace the NFL now. Okay, everybody, we'll be right back after this quick break. All right, um, guys, I have a big treat for you today. I am welcoming my friend and colleague from SiriusXM and RotoWire, actually one of my favorite places to go for information. Um, that is a true story. Mr. Jim Coventry. Jim, welcome to the show. I appreciate you so much taking your time out of your very busy day. And you are very in demand. I mean, every time I'm looking around, Jim Coventry is on the airwaves, either radio, audio, video, whatever. Jim Coventry is the man giving us some of the best game breakdowns you can get. And uh, I'm really excited to have you here today. So thank you so much for joining us. I always have time for friends, Jen, and I'm glad to be here. I learned from Bob Harris. (laughs) <laughs> there we go. It's that simple, right? But thank you for having me. Very excited to talk football with Jen and Eddie. Yes, Jen. And so Eddie, Jim, Jim, Eddie. Eddie, Jim is one of the nicest people in uh, the industry. So. Jim, it's, it's it's a pleasure to have you on. And I, I, I got to give you the shout out for the names you put too in the chat here. The Washington <laughs> lobbyists and the uh, the Washington oh, yeah. the Washington team of football. So it's WTF. Those are also great. <laughs> so good. So good. I was like, at one point when they first announced they were changing it, I was like, I'm going to go like file a copyright. And then if I win, I can become a bazillionaire. And then I can just play fantasy football for fun. Speaking of playing fantasy football for fun, I was talking with Adam Ronas and I was like, yeah, I won some leagues, but unfortunately all the ones I won paid me like, I don't know. By the time I figured out, like I got my money back or my money out, I made like $130. Like for like a whole season because oh, the ones man. that won were the ones that are more like bragging rights or you didn't really pay into. And of course, our industry leagues, there's usually no payout. So you get all these bragging rights, but like you don't get to buy yourself a new pair of shoes. No, and don't break it down per hour of time spent no. because you're looking at maybe you're paying them. Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. It's unbelievable. But um, I want to say congratulations to you, Jim, because if you don't know, Jim won the Kings Classic this year. This is a really, really big deal. And I'm especially excited because we had a question from a listener, and I'm glad you're here for this, who was asking about uh, salary cap leagues. And you won the salary cap. Now, I will say, if you don't know what a salary cap league is, it's the new name for what we used to call auction leagues. Sometimes they're also called contract leagues. Um, Essentially you are paying your players a contract. So you think you have a, say a $300 budget and you're writing a contract that Devontae Adams gets $50 of that, you know, I'm just making up numbers. Um, But that's how they work. And they're often done with an auctioneer, if you will. So you, you make the bids. It's like, you know, it's a lot, a lot of fun. It's super fun in person. Um, and he was asking about about starting it and our insight into league formats and styles and how we felt about it. So I would love to hear how you feel about salary cap leagues and also a little bit about how you successfully drafted for the Kings Classic. Well, thank you for that introduction. And it's exciting to talk about the salary cap draft. First of all, once you do one of those, you really don't want to do a snake draft again. So true. Right? The snake draft, it's great. It's efficient. It's useful. But at the end of the day, your draft spot dictates the pool of players you're ever going to be eligible to get. The beauty of the salary cap draft is if you have a value on a player, you can get that player. Somebody, If somebody outbids you, you could go to the next dollar. You choose at what point you're willing to stop bidding. Ultimately, you can go in with a plan. 
you can't really you go in with a general plan in a snake draft. You can have a much more customized specific plan. But at the end of the day, if people prepare for the salary cap draft well, every team should be much more happy with their squad than they sure. are in a snake draft. First of all, what are your thoughts on that before I carry on? I agree 100%. And one of the things I like about it is uh, you get exactly who you want. So if you want to get two first round picks, you can. You're not eliminated from that. You just say, I'm willing to open up my wallet and spend. And a lot of times, I don't know if you ascribe to this, but a lot of people do that stars and scrubs mentality, if you will. You spend a lot on, say, four or five guys, and the rest are all these kind of dart throws. You know, maybe you get an inexpensive James Conner or, or, you know, I don't know, Sony Michelle, and they end up winning for you later, but you have that in your plan. And I find what people usually find scary is they're terrified of what to do if the numbers get away from them. And what I've always found, there is always value at the end. I think in my salary cap draft this year, I got Devonta Smith for a $3 contract. I got, I mean, there was a, there was so much value left. So you don't have to panic. Um, but I a hundred percent agree. It seems terrifying at first, but at the end, everybody's much happier because you get to choose. There's a lot less, uh, strains and stresses on like, well, I can't have both Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. You can. can. If you want, if you want to, you can. They better not get hurt. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We're not recommending that. Yes. Last year, Dave Richard had signed both McCaffrey and one of the other like top end guys, him and Barkley. And they they both went down on him. And so, yeah, not so good. But the the Kings Classic, as you asked. So the, the difficulty with the Kings Classic, 14 teams. And then in addition to the one quarterback, two running backs, three receivers and a tight end, there are three flexes, no super flex, but there's three flexes and there are four IR spots. So basically good luck getting players. It's very difficult. And the thing with that league is what I realized the first time we used this exact format was 2020 and I got smoked and I learned it's okay though. Right. Cause we I have love to that. No, I think things. that's fantastic. And here's what I learned. I approached that salary cap draft like every other one where you build up good starters and then you have a little bit of money left to piece players together. Well, with three flexes and 14 teams, you end up with garbage flexes if you spend up for your typical array of players at the top. And so my philosophy going into this, again, ultra large league with large rosters, I said, I will not spend high for any player. I will make sure that I come out of this with three high floor flex players and some bench as well, because I noticed the teams that got eliminated were in my position. They had no reasonable flexes. And then when injuries hit, you were stuck even worse. Any questions at this point? Yeah. So I'm going to say, I find this really interesting because one of the things I debated on back and forth, now this is more fantasy baseball. I've done this more because I've done a lot more auctions with fantasy baseball. They're a little more popular um, is I have found that often my teams that do the best are the teams. I never spend more than a $20 contract on any one player. And I've always thought that's a good way because if you put too many eggs in one basket and that one person goes down, for instance, Mike Trout this year, if you did that in baseball that was pretty costly uh if you did that this year for derrick henry it wasn't as costly because at least you got half a season worth of points accumulation um but it was still pretty expensive christian mccaffrey was great when he played but when he didn't it wasn't whereas maybe if you had gotten james robinson josh jacobs you could have saved some of that money and spent it other places like Depo samuel yes so the way i approached from that point I decided I would spend cheap at quarterback. I would be less than $10, which put me out of the market on all of the mobile quarterbacks, the Mahomes and the Prescotts of the world. And I was great with that. And I targeted two players on my board that I felt would be in that price range. And it was Tom Brady and Matt Stafford. And as it worked out, as the, uh, the, the salary cap bidding went, the last two of the tier who were left were those two. Yeah. And I didn't mind which I got, but I said I would not get the last one because, see, and this is what listeners need to get in a salary cap league. When they're at the last player of a perceived tier, there could be a bidding war on that player. Exactly. Because people realize, uh oh, last one. If I don't get this right. Right. If I don't get this player, I'm stuck. So I 
Brady was the first one nominated and I made sure I got him. So, I, so that worked out. So I got him cheap, tight end, spend down there as well. Look, you love Travis Kelsey. You love Mark Andrews, but ultimately that's a lot of dollars at a position where you can't, you can't, if it isn't an absolute crush hit, you're still going to have some problems with your flexes. So I spent $6 at tight end. That was my limit. Got Noah Fant, fine. Didn't have a great year. Good floor for six bucks. Worth it. But then here was the rest. In these salary cap leagues with multiple flexes, I believe you need to attack the wide receiver position aggressively. You have to come out with five or six receivers planning they'll be your three starters and planning they'll be two or three of your flexes. Because wide receivers, look, they don't usually lose their job to some bench player like running backs often do. They don't get replaced. And so having that volume, I think, works. So that was the first key. Any comments yet? Eddie, do you ha- have you ever done an auction league or a salary cap league? Well, I, I'm told every year to switch over from my typical snake to do it. So maybe eventually I, I will start one. Maybe actually, Jen, you know what we could do right now? We could spearhead the extra points uh, auction I, league for next that, year. I think we'll do it. That's right what I'm thinking right now. I'm thinking yeah. we need to do an extra points salary cap league next year. Done deal. And uh, we, you and I will keep notes from this episode with Jim Coventry. And we will not share it with the others. <laughs> I don't even think, I don't think we should even release this pod. Just That's keep, what we'll, I was thinking. We'll, we'll just keep the file just for ourselves. We'll just keep the breakout yeah. for when he gives us some great juicy yeah. bit about like a specific player, but not yeah. about the strategy. Uh, and I won't tell anybody that just yesterday, my Twitter feed, I posted a 23 minute video on the, whoops, on the Kings classic, but <laughs> on my team but anyway. So last thing, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but at running back. So look, 14 teams. Each team with two running backs, that's 28 running backs. You do have to have a running back. Mm-hmm. You have to have two. And I didn't spend the $60 out of the 200 that many were spending for the top tier. And I ended up spending like 43 and 41 for Gibson and Edwards Hilaire. When they were on the field, the floor was fine. It was more than I wanted to spend, but you really can't get reasonable starters for much less. They were the lower tier players, but the, the, really the one player that's saving. I went in and those who listened to me in the preseason said, I gave a rationale on why James Conner would absolutely blow up this year. And all the rationale points hit. And I think it was $6. And that was a massive steal. And then the other thing, at back to receiver, I went in and I told the people in the Kings Classic after the, 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 the draft was over, I said, I went in with the plan of making Cooper Cup my wide receiver one. I said I would get him for wide receiver two money. And I said, remember all the years you watch with Jared Goff. Did you ever see him not open? Always wide open. And I go, now he's got a quarterback that actually get him the ball. So there were a number of players I targeted. And look, you got to have luck in a season two. I had good injury luck. And this is the one year where many of my projections hit. There's many years where you're 40 percent on the good calls. This year, it was, it was one of those rare years. It was probably closer to 70. Those don't happen much. It is a very fortunate year. And so anyway, so to make a long story short, the combination of the luck, injury luck, my projections hitting on players that other people weren't heavily in on, but then being able to plot out the budget when we went into the salary catcher, that was all optimal and learning from past mistakes. So basically that that's the kind of the story. Yeah. And I would say for anybody looking to get started, don't be afraid. You're not going to mess it up. I guarantee you're not going to draft a worse team than you would in a snake draft. You'd be surprised. There's going to be value everywhere. You're not going to ruin it. Uh, You can still make trades. You can still use the waiver wire. There's no situation. Sometimes you can even, you get your fab budget and you can even trade and trade some of your fab budget. I mean, there's all kinds of different ways you can play. I highly recommend it. I know CBS Sports does an auction version. I know RT Sports does one, which I actually like. I don't know all the platforms. Yahoo does it as well. Um, So you can do it almost anywhere. And you can always practice ahead of the season. You can do a mock Highly recommend doing it to get people to do it even better. I don't know, you know, everybody's specifics, but if you can get 12, 14 people together with a live auctioneer, my favorite two times of the year are March and August. When I do my two live, just I fly to New York, I, we hang out and we do these drafts live and they are amazing. They take 
extra time. It doesn't matter. You're having so much fun. You're yelling at each other and you're laughing at each other and you're it's just, it's so much fun. So I highly recommend it. It adds such a, a layer of, um, just fun and skill and camaraderie to the entire experience. So don't be afraid. Just do it. Just jump it's, in. It's the perfect fusion of poker and football or baseball, totally. game, right? Totally. Because you know what you'll get to notice is you'll notice people's tells. Like you'll notice that people only bid on people they actually want, for instance. You're like, wait, they haven't bid. They haven't learned to bid on players they don't want. Or you learn when to throw someone out to bid somebody up. Or if somebody's definitely like a Cowboys fan, you'll put them out there to get them to spend their budget. There's all these different layers. You'll see someone start clicking their pen. Like, oh, they want somebody I can get. And it becomes really, really fun. Now, not your first year. Your first year, you're just out there. But as you get to know your friends, yeah, you get to, like you said, it's like poker. It's, it's good stuff. So definitely jump in and try it. Um, Jim, I want to talk a little bit, as you said, you made some great calls this year. I was also in on James Conner um, and it helped me a lot as well. That was a fantastic value. Um, I noticed we were both in the same pros with Joe's league and we were both in that until the end. And then uh, we had both had some bad COVID luck, I think, in that one at the very end. Unfortunately, nothing. Jen, what you, can I tell you? This is a good story. Can I tell you what killed me in that? Yeah. So basically, the I drafted like all receivers and maybe a tight end or two, and once the cover two thing became a thing, my team was dead because I had players who were exploded, like Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill completely went away when the cover two shell thing hit i had like four or five players that it had that not happened it was crazy so i drafted based on my knowledge i didn't have the foresight to realize the league would have the cover two counter to take away many of the explosive offenses so that was what doomed me yeah i mean that that was a game that was a league where we played all flex yes except for quarterback and defense yes Yes. Yeah. So that was an interesting way. So yeah, you didn't even go running back, which is probably smart. Um, you don't need to. And no. that's one of the, the things I noticed that the team's making the mistake. And even my partner who I was working with, I said, just remember, I was like, it's just total points. We don't even have to, we, we are not rostering a tight end. <laughs> No tight end we're going for in this situation. I don't even care if it's Travis Kelsey. So (laughs) that's kind of how we hung in there a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about some guys you really like for next year. Um, Everybody at this point of the season, you know, their season's over, especially if they're in dynasty leagues or even just because they love fantasy football so much. They're like, who is it? Who is it going to be next year when I'm making my salary, you know, cap list? Who am I going to go targeting? Who's it going to be? And I'm just wondering who you've got your eye on for next year. The first one I love is Elijah Moore and from the Jets, of course. And first of all, who watches the Jets, right? So a lot of people don't even see him play, but he didn't play a lot. He basically very slow start through week seven. He put up very, he was less than a hundred yards through week seven. And then he puts together a run. I'll talk about that in a minute. And then he missed week 14 through 17. So basically, he's off a lot of radars. But he had a window from the time of week seven till his injuries at the end where he was basically going off. He had a four or five week window, scored like five touchdowns, putting up at least 60 yards and 67 yards in most of those games. And he did it with three different garbage quarterbacks. When Zach Wilson came back, I thought for sure he was doomed. And he produced with Zach Wilson. And so he flies under the radar because people are going to look and see, oh, well, he had 538 yards and five touchdowns. Throw him away. Not so much. Context. And he did have some drops. He was a higher drop rate player. But he's not getting great passes from the quarterbacks. I give him a pass there. But his time speed, and we know it's the pro day thing. He was 4.35, probably more like 4.4 in reality, but he's still fast. And his agility measurements, those were accurate, 90th percentile. And so I think even though he's small, with the league going that is covered two shell, he's the wiggle guy underneath this new, not new, this type of receiver that was starting to fade off a bit. But these are the receivers who are going to thrive in this current wave of cover two. So I think he's going to be a superstar you can get later in your drafts. What do you think, I Jen? Like that. 
I like that call a lot. And I know a lot of people were really bummed on the week that they had to miss out on Elijah Moore because he was really hitting his stride. And so I like that. And I also have to say that I think Zach Wilson has looked a lot better over the last couple of weeks. And the one thing about Zach Wilson is he does have arm strength. Uh, he does have an incredible arm. And um, so there's a lot of talent there. I know he's, he's still young, makes a lot of poor decisions and who knows what's going on with the jets, but As you said, Elijah Moore was good, even with very subpar quarterback play, three different guys over the course of the season. So I love that call. Um, Any others? One more. Often fantasy analysts are a year too early on player. It's our critical mistake. We (laughs) kind of see the talent. We know it's there. And we're like, this is the year. Ah, one year off. Adam Troutman. Okay. He was a third round pick of the Saints in 2020. He gets like 15 catches for 170 yards in his rookie season. So a complete throwaway season. But people thought, yep, this year, this is the year. Well, problems started out. He wasn't getting any passes early in the season. Like the first four weeks, I don't think he had 25 yards. No, it was like Juwan Johnson. Yes, exactly. He had that big week one, right, Jen? (laughs) Oh, man. But then all of a sudden, very sneakily, from a stretch of about yep. four weeks before he gets the knee injury. That's right. It's not much, but it's like 32 to 58 yards. But he started in those last four games. It was six to eight targets a game. He was becoming a part of the offense. But then he injures the knee. He gets COVID. And then that last game back, he, he obviously had a few snaps. So basically, he will be written off last year as a player that people thought would be something. And he wasn't. But he was flashing a little bit of the beginning of a breakout. And now that other year of maturation. And I think that because he was a guy that was like the senior bowl, he was dominating the players who were there. He looked like the real deal. So I think he's that tight end, that third year stride with that little bit of they showed us. I think he's in for a really good season. So when I thought about bust a breakout candidates for next year, I just thought very, you know, briefly, I kind of had some, you know, ideas. I thought, well, maybe Kadarius Tony. I mean, the talent is incredible there. Of course, we don't know who the quarterback situation. <laughs> we think it's going to be Joe Judge. I mean, there's just a lot of questions. Andy seems to get injured a lot. So maybe I'll avoid that one. Um, and then I thought, well, what about someone that didn't play this year? Cam Akers. I am interested in Cam Akers next year. I was interested in him for this year. I loved what he did down the stretch in 2019. I was in on him in 2019. I didn't know why it took him so long. But part of the argument was always with Los Angeles. Well, they tend to use a little more running back by committee. They always have. They won't commit to one guy. But what's interesting to me all of a sudden is Sony Michelle having the most rushing yards in the league for the month of December, that's more than Jonathan Taylor. They started to kind of commit to one guy. And I think that's working because of Matt Stafford. And you have to have that established run game in order for Matt Stafford to be a threat. Now we look at Cam Akers. I, I, look, Sony Michelle's been amazing. I hope he stays around and all of that. But Cam Akers is the younger talent. Uh, he, he can juke like the best of them. I, I love Cam Akers. And what interests me especially is the way that the Rams went to the trouble to bring him back, even when he couldn't play, to make sure he could get his pension. Yes. Which says to me, well, they're in on Cam Akers. They like this guy. He must be a good guy. Uh, And I think culture also has a lot to do with it, not just talent. So I am interested in Cam Akers for next year. I'm hoping that he falls down draft boards. He probably won't. And then the other one I'm interested in is – Rashad Bateman. Yep. And I know he's probably a popular pick, but I think this might actually piggyback onto who you mentioned might be one of your best mm. candidates. I think these two might go well in tandem, actually. <laughs> so Rashad Bateman, again, a better catch rate than Marquise Hollywood Brown. Um, he lines up on the outside. He's kind of that guy we all thought Sammy Watkins would be, but Sammy Watkins was not young talented we only saw him play for half the season so when you look at the stats if you're like you know a new player just like oh well it's not that many yards well if you break it down to a per game basis very impressive 10 targets in his last game this year with Tyler Huntley he seems to be on his way up does well with both Lamar Jackson Tyler Huntley and so I I really do like Rashad Bateman for next year and yeah so you do like those guys 
Cam Akers is an absolute beast. And I like how you brought in the fact about him using a back because down the stretch, remember Akers is getting 25 carries or close to that. So two massive games at the end of the season last year. So he's the, and and we're not even going to compare and you're not, you're not, you're not comparing Sony Michelle. You didn't do that to Cam Akers and you're right because Cam Akers is like four levels above. So what he gives you, oh yeah, we know Sean McVay wants to ride him. And so you're, you're right on there. And I think people will downgrade him a bit because of those narratives about the Achilles, which have really and rarely happened to players who were stars they've normally been marginal guys so yes and then the second one i'm actually going to talk a little bit about rashad bateman when i cover something else so i'm going to talk about it at that point i'm just going to insert some breaking news right here that eddie just sent over it looks like the nfl is looking into dallas as a replacement for this year's super bowl instead of la okay i have thoughts on this really quick my first uh, reaction is I was intending to go to the Super Bowl and I live in LA, so kind of bummed on that level. But second, I have family in Dallas. So if you're going to move it anywhere, let's go to (laughs) Dallas. And aren't you guys scared that then the Cowboys are going to have a little home field advantage? Come on. Let me also rephrase quickly on like the, I just kind of paraphrase what's going on. It's not being moved. It's just, they, they looked into AT&T stadium as a possibility as a backup in case the, the COVID case in LA, but from the people I know, and obviously used to work at the NFL, it seems like, that things didn't go as planned. It was more of a, just like an ultimate like backup option. And Terrell Owens <laughs> wants to play. Okay. I got to tell you guys, I love Terrell. Yep. Yep. I, I'm actually pals with Terrell. We, we, I've interviewed him a few times. He is actually, I know he comes across like a diva. Um, but in reality, when you talk to him, I will tell you of all the players I've interviewed, he was the most kind, the most generous and the most respectful of my time. Um, and he lights up when he talks about his children, um, which made me so I actually really like Daryl Owens. And that may be an unpopular opinion, but comparing him to Antonio Brown, like people have been. No, not the same to me. I'm a, I'm a T.O. fan. So, wow. He wants to play for the. I don't know. I don't know, T.O. I don't know if you should. Um, go he back hasn't and play played since 2010, but he runs. He time. conditions. If it was 15 snaps a game, I bet you he could still win. I bet you he could still win. He, he probably could. I mean, he's he, he's a win. Like he's got a winner mentality. I have to say, he's he's I love kind of a cool guy. Yeah, I he's love kind of him. Cool guy. I use his name every year, Jen, and it's the last few years. And it's when I talk about AJ Brown, and you've probably heard me say this. I call AJ Brown Tara Lowen's version 2.0. I love AJ Brown too. Yeah. Oh, so. isn't he like the most wonderful human being as he's, well? When you hear him yes, talking, me and Jonathan Taylor are both like yes. wonderful human beings, and yes. it makes me happy. And I wish that we would focus more on Jonathan Taylor and um, AJ Brown and James Connor, these kind of quality guys in the NFL, um, because there are a lot of really good kids. I call them kids. I'm like, <laughs> Granny, <laughs> oh, kids, oh, kids get back off the lawn. <laughs> Promise us. um yeah i think there there are a lot of of bright spots in the nfl um all right let's let's head over to i hate to do this because after i talk about like positivity i'm gonna say who's gonna bust next year i actually hate making bust calls but everybody wants them i hate thinking anybody's gonna bust i just want to believe that everybody's gonna be great that being said there are definitely players that i never draft i did not draft any saquon i did not draft any julio jones and Here's an edgy one. I did not draft any DK Metcalf because in Ooh. my gut, I did not think he deserved to go where he went. And I, what, it was too rich for my butt. I didn't believe in it. So I, I probably just got lucky on that one. <laughs> but yeah, so even though I don't like to call out busts, um, there are players that you don't, you don't feel right about. So we'll call them maybe like um, bewares. Let's do that. Who's a player beware? For you next year. Beware of Mark Andrews of the Baltimore Ravens. Helped him win a championship this year. Which is exactly why I'm starting this reason, Jen. Rule number one that I've tried to follow. Never pay for the career year. Now, I know he's only four years in. In his second year, he had a great year. 64, 852, and 10 touchdowns, 98 targets. Beautiful year. He's not Travis Kelsey. He's a great player. Not Travis Kelsey. He's in a run-heavy offense 
that just happened to have factors work his way. No J.K. Dobbins, no Gus right. Edwards. The defense completely fell apart, and he saw over a hundred, like 138 targets he's seen. He's got 99 catches, 1,276 yards. So first of all, the Ravens are not that team. They are not a team that wants to throw that much. You mentioned Rashad Bateman earlier. Yes, absolute breakout candidate. I love your calling him. He profiles as an alpha receiver in the NFL. He's one of the few receivers that came out in this past draft that profiles as an outside guy who can mm-hmm. win in all areas of the field. He will command targets. Thanks. So. First person those targets come away from, Mark Andrews. Hollywood Brown is going to have a role. He showed mm-hmm. us a lot this year. Now, first half was much better than the second half, but he opens up a defense. He really can open things up. And so Andrews will be a very good player. But after posting, which would be 1,300 yards after this week and maybe 10 touchdowns, he will be going in that stratosphere of tight ends. And honestly, Dobbins should be back. Edwards should be back. That that organization fixes problems. They will fix their defense. They will go back. And Jim John Harbaugh said this going into this year. Their identity is a run-based team. They couldn't do that this year. They will be back to that. And so Mark Andrews would be a very good player. But he is that that 850-yard season, he might hit that. The targets won't be more than that. So that's my main argument there. I think that's a really good point. And a lot of the time when you're looking at a tight ends, what you need to search for is a tight end that is the number two target on their team. If you can find, and that's why Travis Kelsey is such a good player at the tight end because he is the number two target right after Tyreek Hill. Mark Andrews became that number two target. As you said, you know, Rashad Bateman was injured for half the year. Hollywood Brown got another case of the dropsies here and there, and they didn't have the run first team they usually had. So it made a lot of sense for Mark Andrews. I think Mark Andrews will still be a good player, as you said. But what we're talking about here is value. And to your point, you know, Darren Waller was one of those players. You know, we all chased those points of Darren Waller. Darren Waller helped me make it to the finals of Scott Fishbowl last year. I love Darren Waller, but he got injured and you you got hurt and you had to take him really high to get him and you cannot easily replace a tight end. That being said, Darren Waller did fit that profile of someone that was the number one or number two receiver, which is why it wasn't a bad bet. Right now, Jen, Darren can I Waller. add one thing about Waller? I mm-hmm. made a comment in the preseason. Waller was the number one target in the offense going mm-hmm. into the season, right? And right. you knew that and you were saying that. But here was my point. He was a number one because their receiving room was so bad in 2020. He was going to get a monstrous number of targets. My preseason line was if they have any level of step up from their wide receivers, John Gruden at the time, who was their coach, not now, but he does not want to funnel his offense through a tight end. By necessity, he'll do what it takes. And even though he didn't do much, Brian Edwards was starting to step up until he wasn't in the league. Henry Ruggs was starting to step up, and obviously Hunter Renfro did. What I saw was Waller had that crazy first game where it was like 15 or 19 targets. After that, until he got hurt, I don't think he saw more than seven in a game. He wasn't. Mm -hmm. And that was the point I made. If any receiver stepped up, he was not. He was getting drafted as if he was the alpha receiver, getting twelve to fifteen targets. And once it happened, that was why. And you were right with the injury, hundred percent. But until then, he was not a dominant fantasy force. Well, the difference between Waller and Kelsey, of course, is we know how valuable Kelsey is, even with Tyree Kill being the number one receiver. We've seen that play out. What we hadn't seen in Las Vegas is the emergence of a dominant number one receiver because, yeah, it wasn't Hunter Renfro at that point. You know, we we thought maybe it was worth, I don't understand why they didn't get Brian Edwards more regularly involved in this. That's you know, I've got, because I want, I would really like to see more Brian Edwards. I think he's he's talented. And you've seen that at the beginning of the season, late in games, when Derek Carr needed to make big plays, he would go to Brian Edwards. So why are we waiting so long guys? Like get in gear, but you know what? The Raiders are their own ball of whatever. (laughs) Um, Henry Ruggs broke my heart this year. He was finally doing what I wanted him to do. He was playing so well. And so, um, Raiders. I actually wish the Raiders really well. I think it would be nice if they came through a lot of this adversity this year and, and got into the playoffs. Not that I'm wishing against the Chargers or anybody else. I want everybody to go to the playoffs. I'm just way too nice. It's, it doesn't work Nothing that way. Nothing wrong I guess. with that. 
Um, just a couple more really quick questions, Jim, before we let you go. We appreciate your generosity with your time. We had a question from a listener about um, what to do to evaluate their dynasty teams. Like, what do you do in your postseason? What's your process like? And, um, and what kind of information should we be looking for? So I'm an oddball. I, I'm definitely an oddball in the industry. I'm an NFL guy who does fantasy. It, what it means, I'm not numbers driven in terms of stats. What I do is I evaluate NFL teams every week. But in the offseason, I try to evaluate where a team is going and where they will end up. And I do a lot of sort of dynasty projection for me How is how a player fits in organizationally. Now, the mm-hmm. numbers I look at, I do look at combine numbers, and I always put them into percentiles. I want to know their explosiveness, their agility, and, well, obviously their, their size-adjusted speed. These things, but they – but more. so I always watch those, and I do look at the stats a bit for context, but realistically – I measure these teams out. What do the offensive lines have going? Are the defense of that team trending up or down? So my dynasty research is a holistic look at each of the 32 teams. That's where mine begins. And then trying to figure where a player's trajectory fits into that. So I, I don't do a lot of dynasty, but I would say mine is, is, is on that similar level in that I don't go around and just look at stats. I, I actually, one thing I don't advise doing, and I see people do this immediately making trades right now. What are you thinking? You are like, okay. Yeah. Amon Ross St. Brown looked amazing for the last five games. I'm with you. Now it's probably not the time to be making any deals, whether you're bringing him in or, or sending him out, just, just sit on it a little bit. There are so many things we don't know. We don't know where Aaron Rodgers is going to be the, a quarterback next year. What Maybe Devontae Adams doesn't have any value. I mean, of course he has value. But you know what I'm saying? Like the, Everything changes. You don't know what, what, what kind of O-lines people are going to build when right. the draft. That could, you know, Dallas made only defensive picks last year. Look how drastically that changed everything for Dallas. So to me, it's, it's taking time. It is thinking about the system. And when you're picking players, thinking of the way the players can fit into the system. Same thing. I agree 100%. I think too many people make rash decisions. And one of my pet peeves is people, the second a player does really well, going around and being like, oh, I sold this player. Like, okay, <laughs> like, are you playing? For, do you ever win? <laughs> well, that's <laughs> irrelevant. Know, do you? <laughs> Because all you do is like figure uh, out when you can sell and buy. I, I don't know. Um, so that's my my process as well. And I really do watch the NFL draft. I really do try to pay attention. I think that's where you can start. And I, I don't think you start before that. And then you think about yeah the systems they're going into. And another thing I would say is I am more likely to invest into a long-term wide receiver than a running back because a running back is going to win you one or two years that's it. A wide receiver, like what if you had gotten, you know, an Allen Robinson 10 years ago or someone like that, you know, someone that gives you that longevity, even a Marvin Jones would be a good wide receiver. You could have had for a long time, a lot of that depth. And so if you're going to, to put draft capital, I would rather spend it on a wide receiver or a quarterback, you know, yes, yes. if you see a Kyler Murray, you know, <laughs> I think that's a good investment. It looks like a Joe Burrow is a good investment. So that's what I would say. I would, I would be careful with tight ends and running backs, obviously, even though you need them, you can often make trades for those within season and just kind of punt that position. And so many tight ends don't break out till year three. So right. you're sitting with a player on your roster. Too long. Useless, right. That's right. Such and they may not point. break out, Jen, right? Such a good point. That is such a good point. They just don't even have the opportunity to break out. And you're wasting that roster spot where you could have someone that comes out like a Justin Jefferson immediately right out the gate. So, or, or someone like an Amon Ross St. Brown, you didn't have to spend an early pick nope. on St. Brown. Um, and, and he's right there. So that would be my, my sort of like very slight dynasty advice for what it is. But uh, we are always available on Twitter. I know Jim is like me and is happy to answer questions at all times. So if you have any questions, please hit us up. Jim, appreciate you so much joining us today. Tell everybody where we can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Jim Coventry NFL at Sirius XM Saturdays, one to three Eastern Roto Wire Fantasy Sports today. Apparently we're getting our time spot back on Sunday in two weeks and that, because of the MLB labor unrest. Wow. I think they're going to keep football talk going. So maybe in a week I should be back on Sundays for a while. So excited about that. And then I do a lot of streaming through the Twitter feed and through the Roto Wire homepages. So give a lot of analysis and things. 
Jen and Eddie, I appreciate you both. Thanks for having me. It was a blast working with you both. We appreciate you so much, Jim. We hope you'll come back. Anytime. Just let me know. <laughs> Thank and you. And I mean that. <laughs> that was Jim Coventry, everybody, at Jim Coventry NFL. Give him a follow on Twitter. One of the nicest guys and a fan freaking fantastic fantasy analyst. Um, guys, before we sign off the show today, I want to make sure you're playing with us over at extrapoints.com arcade. You may or may not know that we have a contest every week where we do our NFL picks and our winners for this week for last week's uh, week 17 NFL pick them. Mark Trost he got 13, right? So congratulations, Mark. Cause I've never gotten 13 right in a week. So if you want my job, you can have it. <laughs> it's Wednesdays. 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Live. Uh, week 17 for our prop quiz was won by Martin Weiss. Martin of Extra Points, who got six right. And Joel won the December prop culture. Joel Solomon, our producer, who got nine right. And so that means two extra points people actually won this week. I did not play in either of these games. And I need to get the, I need to play. I always play the NFL Pick'em, but I never play in the other ones. And now I'm all inspired because these people won a gold hat. And I didn't even, I didn't even try. So I don't want to be a loser. So I'm going to play this week and hopefully I can win my gold hat too. You guys can too. Um, also, if you guys want to check out my article at si.com slash fantasy, I have a list of players over there to be aware of this week. So a lot of people are going to be sitting their starters. They've already clinched their playoff berth. And then there are a lot of people with not a lot to play for. And I know a lot of teams have said that they're starting their starters, Dallas, Green Bay, et cetera. But you still have to be aware that they may get pulled early. And on that note, I will be releasing a DFS video this weekend. But I want to say for DFS this week, guys, all bets are off. Even cash games, you can't count on cash games. Sure, there are some teams you can, you know, you know, Chargers are going to play hard and the Saints are going to play to win and all of that. But you still anything can happen. And so I would prefer that you don't spend a lot of money and maybe you just play some big GPPs, go for the big money, you know, and play Chris Evans, like play something random. This is the week to do it. So I will come out with a video for you there. In the meantime, we want to hear what you want to hear about on this podcast. So send me questions. They can be, you know, strategy questions and we'll keep the guests coming and we'll keep the content coming every Wednesday at 5 PM Eastern standard time. Eddie, I'm sorry you didn't win any of your fantasy football championships. And not only did I win the third place game either, I lost by like 22 points. It was just, I, I made the playoffs, had a, had a great run in my, my main league. A lot of trash talk on my friends from home. But I'm mad you know, about it, it for you. And so we're going to fix it next year. And I think that we're going to fix it by getting a salary cap draft at extra points. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is it. Oh. This Eddie, I forgot to tell you, I have a plan for next week's show. Okay. Is a surprise. We're going to play a playoff league. You and I are going to share a team. We're going to draft it. Uh, let's do it. I'm ready to go. I would love it. I need team too. I need some fantasy back in my life after Maybe, I, I think we, we should not quit playing fantasy. We got to keep involved even through the playoffs. So we're going to keep the games coming. We'll even talk NFL uh, playoff fantasy for you guys. That's what we're going to do. So in the meantime, you guys, there is still one more week left of football. Enjoy it. And we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Thank you.